everyone needs a pastor. A Visit to the Pastor study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and pastoral ministry from those with proven experience in Christian service. Our time together will be lively, sometimes controversial, always useful, and never dull. Welcome to the study of Pastor Bill Shishko. And this is Pastor Bill Shishko with you. Great to have you with us for another visit to the pastor's study. Let me tell you how I learned an an absolutely unforgettable lesson about the real and profound meaning of hospitality. My competitive sport, if I may put it that way, during my university years wasn't soccer or football or basketball or baseball. It was debate. My male debate partner and I well, we never settled for anything less than clear victories, and at least on the university level, we were always successful. And there was an equally successful female debate team led by a woman from the Middle East. Their victories and matchups with other female debate teams were also 100%. And then came a university-wide debate that was meant to be a model to undefeated debate teams, one male and one female or to have a public debate for all the university students to witness an example of what good debate was meant to be. So my partner and I, as the affirmative side of the debate, decided to use a tactic that wasn't wrong, but it would be utterly unexpected by our female opponents. It was a debate curveball of debate curveballs. And so we used it, and we won, technically. But... In the process, we utterly humiliated the other side, and the Middle Eastern female was, to put it mildly, infuriated. From that point on, there was war between her and us. Some years later, while I was studying in seminary, my wife and I received, to say the very least, a completely unexpected invitation to come to the Middle Eastern woman's home for dinner with her, incidentally her name was Marie, with her and with her husband. We accepted, I with some trepidation, not knowing what would happen on that Friday evening. We were greeted warmly by Marie and her husband. We were treated to a magnificent Middle Eastern meal as we caught up on one another's lives over the years since university days. And then, toward the end of the meal, I received my lesson in the real meaning of hospitality. I can honestly say that it was one of the most important lessons that I've ever learned. Do you know what this meal means? Marie asked, clearly relishing the opportunity to illuminate me. And I said, well, not really, uh, but we are certainly enjoying your lavish hospitality to us. In our Middle Eastern culture, she responded with a smile, having a meal together with former enemies means that we're no longer enemies, but friends and part of our family. I was floored. I wanted to cry, and I'll never, ever forget the lesson. It was a portal to me to what is one of the richest themes of the Word of God, hospitality, God's and ours. It's not an overstatement to say that we are saved by God's hospitality. By nature, we are his enemies, strangers to God's covenant promises, having no hope and without God in the world, as the Apostle Paul writes in the Bible book of Ephesians. But then, when God's rescuing grace comes to us, we come to Christ, the door to God in his house. 
The hostility between God and us is broken down by the atoning work of Christ on the cross, and through faith in him, we're no longer strangers and aliens, but we become fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's the way Paul continues in the very powerful second chapter of Ephesians. And I urge you to read that second chapter of Ephesians. God brings us into his house, which this side of heaven is to be represented in local churches. He feeds us by the Holy Spirit using the word of God. And he invites us to his son's table called the Lord's Supper, in which he gives us regular assurances that, to use Marie's words, we are no longer enemies but friends, part of his family. But the lesson doesn't stop there. Marie and her husband's Middle Eastern hospitality, hospitality as Christians that they showed to my wife and me, was, and it was meant to be, a tangible demonstration of God's own hospitality. We are saved by God's hospitality. And we're meant to show that hospitality to others. I'm convinced, both by experience and by the Word of God, that this is one of the most important, if not the most important ways of showing the gospel to the watching world. The patriarch Abraham showed hospitality to three angelic visitors, one of whom was Christ himself, as he appeared on the stage of Old Testament history. And Abraham and his wife were blessed as a result. And Abraham's faithful obedience in this area, as in so many others, is repeatedly held forth in the New Testament as a pattern for all believers. Jesus himself was not only a guest in people's homes, and incidentally being a good guest is also part of hospitality, but Jesus himself showed hospitality by washing his disciples' feet and hosting the meal that anticipated his own self-giving death and the Lord's Supper as its remembrance. And who isn't constantly challenged by Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan and what it says about hospitality? The early Christians opened their homes to one another, shared their goods with one another, demonstrating that they were a grace-formed family of brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, sons and daughters. Church leaders that we know of as elders are to be given to hospitality, no doubt because they have an official role of representing God in Christ, the God whose hospitality saves us. Christians are told to, among other things, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Literally, hospitality means love of the stranger. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares, which is probably alluding to Abraham's hospitality to the three angelic visitors. And most remarkably... In Jesus' description of the last day, given in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, our Lord says that those who showed hospitality to the least of his brothers and sisters by welcoming them, feeding them, giving them drink, clothing them, visiting them when they were sick or in prison, actually showed hospitality to Jesus himself. And not to do that was to not show hospitality to Jesus. You read that, that section in, in Matthew 25, and you'll learn 
that the consequences of showing or not showing hospitality are very, very serious. And I have just scratched the surface of what the Bible, the Word of God, says about God's hospitality. God's, incidentally, is the great original, and ours is a mirror of His. So, having been convinced, as I am, and as I want you to be, that all Christians, and particularly pastors and their wives, and children too, are to mirror God's hospitality by their own, I want to devote today's visit to the pastor's study to exploring the topic of hospitality, God's and ours. And for this program, I have recruited my wife, Margaret, to help me give you a window on our experiences with hospitality over the past 40-plus years, most of which were years of showing hospitality as a pastor and his wife. I guess we could regard this as part two of the first program, The Unprivate Life of a pastor's wife. We both want to encourage you to be blessed by the ministry of hospitality just as we have been blessed by it beyond words. Now, remember that this program is a hospitable one. We invite and we encourage you to pay us a visit by calling in with your questions. Our live call-in number 631-955-5400. Please write it down, 631-955-5400. 5400. And if you're not quite as comfortable speaking on the phone and being on the air, you can text your questions at the special number for Pastor Bill, 516 367 0391. Anytime you have questions, you can text them to Pastor Bill at 516 367 0391. But for now, Margaret Shishko, Mrs. Pastor Bill, welcome to a visit to the pastor's study. Thank you. So good to have you. It's good to be here. And be looking at you in the studio that has changed into a study. Margaret, let's put it this way. When when you think of hospitality over 40 plus years, even though you remain 29. (laughs) It's a challenge. (laughs) In the Shishko household. What what does that look like? We're supposed to turn words, ears into eyes. Tell us what that hospitality looks like, Mrs. Pastor Bill. Well, Bill gave me a book uh, when he first went to seminary or shortly thereafter. It said, open heart, open home. <laughs> I said, I can never do this. But doing it a little bit at a time and consistently and then trying to keep it up every week. So that I found, especially once you were in the pastorate, if I got up and got dressed every morning and then somebody dropped in, I didn't resent it, so it was far better for me to just keep that discipline. Again, the unprivate life of a pastor's wife. That's right. Well, the kids have a statement today, and it's called TMI. It means too much information. Well, I have a statement, and it says TME, too much exposure. (laughs) So, no, you don't. You just learn ways to... Not cope with it, but to be one step ahead so you don't get caught off guard and become resentful. And that doesn't help anybody. It's uh, People know if you're, especially face-to-face, they can tell if you're upset. Your body language gives it away, even if you don't say anything. Yeah, it's as I look back, but I I really want your reflections. The ladies are better than the kind of cool male types. I mean, this all started out for us just really a few weeks after we were married. 
And uh, we had the, the privilege of taking care of a home, and, yeah. and uh, the, uh, the elderly gentleman for whom we were responsible expected a full meal every evening. That's right. And we learned to cook together, and mm-hmm. we, we learned what, what nutritious meals were. We learned to carry on conversations with a man who uh, wasn't really interested in the things of the Lord. That's true. One thing was really good about that is that we were responsible, yes, for the meal, the cleanup, and sitting down to the meals with him because he would often invite other people, and he liked to carry on a conversation. And he was excellent at it. Yeah. Yeah, We learned much about that. The house was well-appointed, so I never had to worry about whether the curtains looked good, the floor. He, All that was done. So I really could focus on learning to cook for people and learning to get out of my own reserve and becoming more outgoing. And I never realized at that point that God was using that for a lifetime of preparation. It was the best thing that could have happened to me. And during those, at least those first two years in in, in seminary, what a joy it was. We were free to have many of our seminary professors as well as as other students over. I I think there we learned a lot about what Jesus meant when he said, in as much as you've done it unto one of these, the the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. Right. When you first went to seminary, it was all... I'd never been north of the Mason-Dixon line, so that was a challenge. People drove faster. They talked faster. I was really... Especially in New York. A little yeah. bit <laughs> less um, out there. But um, my dear husband took one of our wedding gifts for a man who was from Uganda who had gone through terrible situations in that country when... Under the reign of Idi Amin. Idi Amin, yeah. right. And, you know, the seminary put out a request for blankets, just towels, anything that could help these people. And my husband came home and he said, oh, we can give these blankets. And I said, well, those are a wedding gift. And he said, well, that's okay. And I'm like, oh, I can't give a a wedding gift. And they weren't spectacular blankets. They were just regular blankets. But, you know, I've always been thankful that my husband has that kind of intensity and that determination, whatever you have. And a wife that puts up with it. <laughs> I don't put up with it. I love it. <laughs> but, Pharaoh, it took me a while to acclimate to that myself. I, yeah, and I, one of the things that, that was iconoclast that we can be right. was in our first pastor, it won't say where, but it was south of the Mason-Dixon line. And it was uh, south of the Mason-Dixon line, but it was not what I knew as, as the, the south. south. It was the deep south. It was really the deep south, but having black folks into, into the home. Exactly. Uh, we learned that uh, a lot of times, uh, not so much with the people we served in the church that were there, but in the community at large, uh, a lot of times, uh, ho- hospitality can be unpopular yeah. uh, with others. They just thought we were from the north and didn't know what we were doing or we wouldn't do that. It's kind of the attitude. And then later, and this is in New York, it's not in the Deep South, we had a, a wedding at the home for a couple, uh, African-American couple, and it started out to be about 30 people. It ended up being 60, I think. But we had three chefs in the church during that time, and they did all the cooking. And it was just so amazing. But we did have neighbors that were really not, that were upset. Now, for about six months, many of them didn't speak to us right. anymore. Right, but they got over it. <laughs> changed. Yeah, so, so hospitality. Well, well let, let, let me, uh, Mrs. Pastor Bill, do you feel inadequate? 
every day. <laughs> Yes, especially, with, especially with respect to hospitality. Oh yeah. Well, you know, the more you do, um, you, okay. But I used to have to just focus and say, I'm getting the house ready, and what's the most important thing, and how do I stay focused? Because once you start cleaning a house, you see so many things that need to be done. You really have to put on blinders and say, I can only focus here. I'll get to that other when I have a few days off. And having kids at home trying to, you know, I, I'll get a room ready. I put a little sign on it. Do not enter. <laughs> I thought of putting more, but yeah, I thought at, it might be offensive. Po- at that point, you weren't hospitable. And, uh, yeah. Well, you do have to learn to be hospitable at home first yeah. because your children, they – they're giving even if they don't want to. Yeah. They're still a part of this. And they sometimes get jealous and they sometimes what I found is that we're as I grew as a Christian, I was more open and less intimidated and less self conscious about how the rest of the house might look. But what I did in the beginning was I would recruit the kids to help me clean. And we were doing the inviting, you and I. And they were helping do a lot of the preparation. And I know it's important for kids to have chores. That's not what I'm dealing with. But what I found myself is that I had to scale back and say, these are your chores. We invited people. We do the preparation. And we take that responsibility. Margaret, were you... Were you uncomfortable having people from different nations, different cultures, and not having not just having non-Christians, but sometimes non-Christians with lifestyles very, very different than ours? Well, I, I probably was in the beginning, but I know we did have, you know, some HIV-positive people in the home, and I grew to not. I once I was understood the medical issues there and you know the we had a man who was a a a great teacher come and teach on that at the church after that no i was comfortable with it as long as i knew that i wasn't in jeopardizing the health of our family or the children because i have a responsibility to them and um and i just grew to love the different nationalities in this area because we're all going to be in heaven together. God is worthy to have people from every tongue and nation and tribe. And then as that began to fill me, I began to see, wow, we're experiencing a taste of that now, and I love it. Yeah, and we, we of course, there were times, not that we invited this, but that, that we would have people in, and I can think of one case where we had little children, and we realized the person that we had with us uh, may have done some... Inappropriate. inappropriate things with the children. So there we had to, to uh, be well, very careful. I don't think anything inappropriate happened because it was a very short time. Um, we did have a, a man who was a foreigner from a foreign country here, and he needed a place to stay overnight. And my dear husband brought him home and said, you can stay here. <laughs> and I didn't sleep well that night. Not that he looked threatening, but, you know, my concern was the kids. I'm not afraid, usually for myself. I'm pretty, I will. Anyway, nothing happened. He went on his way. I I was always so thankful that that was a good experience. The one you're speaking about was someone 
that even someone else in the church said, be careful. And I, yeah. you know, I did find him hanging out with the kids in their room, nothing inappropriate, but it concerned me that he didn't stay down with the adults, that he was upstairs, and that yeah. was kind of our private place. And yeah. I, you know, didn't like that. Yeah. But I think it's important to emphasize, too, that we always, we tried to always, anyway, Make sure we presented the gospel to people. People were part of our family worship and so on. It wasn't hospitality as an end in itself. For the break, I know this is a question people are going to ask. Mrs. Pastor Bill, didn't you just get tired? Of course. That's exhausted. What you do. <laughs> but then I came across this passage in Peter. I don't know which book in Peter it's in, but it says, Do hospitality without complaining. And I'm like, Oh, thank you, because I think if it were. I think if it weren't a challenge, more people would open their homes. But even hearing Peter say that, I was like, okay, it's not meant to be easy. And I can't, there's no such thing as perfection. I can't attain it. Even if growing up, if my relatives, like especially my grandparents were coming to visit, it was white glove. (laughs) (laughs) Everything had to be clean, you know, even the woodwork. But, you know, I can't live like that. Yeah, we learn that our perfection really is in Jesus it, and in Jesus alone. Every day, and, yes, and, it's and so true. Here's your, your husband, the theologian here. We learned also what it is that our Christian life is always lived simultaneously in, in union with Christ in his death mm-hmm. and in his resurrection. And uh, that that's that's what this is all about. Hey, our topic today is hospitality. We've dealt with gods primarily in the monologue, and now we're now we're chatting about how ours is meant to be a reflection of that. We'd love to have your questions. This is a broad ranging topic. When you think of the fact that it is God who invites us into our his his own house, I will dwell in your house forever. And you see that as the framework for salvation in Christ. And we're meant to mirror that. Wow, how important this is. But we're going to go back. We have a lot more questions from Mrs. Pastor Bill. But first of all, we're going to hear from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. That great city, New York. Metropolitan New York is the largest city in the United States. And with a population of over 20 million people, Metro New York is one of the largest cities in the world. And what's more, Metro New York is home to people from every nation of the world. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. But churches faithful to historic Reformation Christianity in the Metro New York area are few and far between. The mission fields of Metro New York are America's richest, and most neglected. Reformation Metro New York is an agency by which the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is planting and developing biblically faithful churches and church ministries in the Metro New York area. Through Reformation Metro New York, you can help promote the outreach of this program, a visit to the pastor's study, and other projects designed to further the ongoing reformation of the church. That and church planting are the great passions of Reformation Metro New York. For more information, Information, check out the website at ReformationMetroNY.org where you'll get a personal look at the ministries of the churches, pastors, evangelists, and teachers of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in the area, and you'll learn how you can be a part of our labors. We need your help. Here's the site again, ReformationMetroNY.org. Thanks for your interest and your help. Remember that great city, New York. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. Now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. 
Pastor Bill Shishko here with you. We're dealing with the topic of hospitality. I could just tell from our discussion here lots of things that would be on people's minds. And we are being hospitable, as we want to be every week, inviting you to call and be on the program, be part of it, which is the design of this, 631-955-5400. And our engineer will get your phone call and get you on as soon as possible, 631-955-5400. And if you'd like to text your questions about anything connected with the ministry, pastoral ministry, the Christian life, Christian faith, doctrine, and uh, that will be dealt with at some point in the program's upcoming, uh, text that question to 516-367-0391. Again, that would be to Pastor Bill, 516-367-0391. God's, God's hospitality, our Lord Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, uh, the language of the Bible and the Lord's Supper and, and God feeding us. It, that's it's hospitality. It's glorious, glorious. Amen. I love that. Now, God doesn't change. Um, we do. And as we think about 40-plus um, years doing this, Margaret, how, how has hospitality changed in the Shishko household over those decades well, I love it. I've always loved it that God says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And uh, But how it has changed, well, I don't have six children at home anymore. I have the grandkids once a week, and that reminds me of why it was difficult during those years. <laughs> it's like a cyclone has gone through the house. Yeah. But um, So, you know, after I pick up the pieces the next day and prepare... Which probably is a lot like we're like as the Lord's children in his kingdom, in his house, messing things up all the time. Casa de Jova. I'm sure he loves having us there because I love having the grandchildren. And having kids is messy business, but it's a great business. You know, it's a wonderful thing. It's, It's life. Life isn't tidy always. You can have a tidy place if you don't have anybody there, but... Yeah, where, where, as it says in Proverbs, uh, uh, where where um, mm. many ox, where no oxen are, the the manger is clean. clean. The yes. food feeding trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of the ox. See, <laughs> yeah. yes, I know. Sure. Okay, well, uh, one thing I learned over these years is to stop checking my motivation for having people. I'm like, you know. I, I didn't know if it was pride. You know, I wanted everything spotless. I wanted everything right. I've just learned to relax with it and be a good, try to be a faithful steward. And, like, I want the kitchen clean. I want the bathrooms clean. I don't want to share our germs. You know, I want people to come. I learned this actually from my younger sister. She had had a baby, and her neighbors dropped in, and the place was quite upside down. She just invited them in, and I was, like, so impressed with that. I'm like, that's something I need to learn, you know. And I, from that point on, I'm like, you know what? I don't care what the house looks like. I'm going to enjoy those people. These are people God's made. Christ died for them. They're precious, and I want to keep that perspective. So sometimes I get off, you know, on pride again, and it has to be this way, and then I check myself and say, you know what? This is going to pass. These people are going to live forever. Now, one of the things, I never forgot the illustration in a book by Karen Means and, and her husband, uh, Open a Heart, Open mm-hmm. Home, mm-hmm. is uh, you're, you're there at the dining room table uh, folding the clothes, mm-hmm. and a distraught neighbor or whatever comes in and needs help. Say, help me fold the clothes and let's talk. Yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. That kind of a thing, yes. sure. 
and there's a young girl that we had from, I mean, 30 years ago, and her mother told me later, she said, she loved coming over and helping you clean. I'm like, I needed that. It was a help to me. But So I've learned to accept all the help that people offer when they're there. We had people over last night, and our dear friends just, you know, wash some dishes. I, I try to leave everything as clean as I can. And then I go to work, I come back. They had just pitched in and helped, and everything was ready. And I know myself, I'm more comfortable in that setting than if somebody, no, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it. Because they they just made themselves at home. Yeah. And, and I, we, we all felt at home then. We say, mi casa, su casa, and let si. them look sure, which is mm-hmm. what my, my house is. Yeah, I, I think probably one of the most memorable, of, of many memorable things, uh, to show how God works uh, just by doing what he calls us to do each day is when I had the flight uh, to Atlanta yeah, on September 11th, 2001. Yeah. A remarkable story in itself uh, to be able to be at, at LaGuardia Airport and see those, those towers go down was, was something I'll never forget. No. And in the amazing providence of God in, in getting a car to come back as our son had dropped us off at the minute the first tower was hit. Mm-hmm. The we met a uh, the person I was with and I had met a young lady. We found out she was from South Africa, and had her uh, we had her come to our home. And here you're distraught. Uh, your children, you and your children, didn't know if I might have been in that plane because communications had broken down. Although we'd spoken before then, but it was a, it was a, it was hardly the time you exercise hospitality. You're just glad you're back together again. But it's the most important time to exercise. It is. It. And and to find out this girl was from South Africa. Mm. She had been uh, had very great difficulties in her past, had never been out of South Africa. But that night at 10.30, after this grueling day when we'd finally gotten her to a, a nearby relative, mm-hmm. and we got a phone call from her grandmother in South Africa, and I'll never forget that when she realized who we were, that we were the right party. And she asked us if we were Christians, and we said yes. Mm-hmm. And she asked if we knew the story of her granddaughter, and we said we knew a little bit, but not much. And, and the line, I'll never forget it. She said, we have been praying that God would put Christians in her path. And, I mean, these unexpected Hallelujah. things. Yeah, uh, the, what the, else can you say? Yeah, sure, these unexpected <laughs> yeah. things that Jesus does in, in, in the course of uh, in the course of just <laughs> reflecting God's own hospitality to us. Um, I, I, I want to interrupt you, but I ha- we had to get that that story out. Isn't that beautiful? I and we still have fun with hospitality. We get tired as we get. Uh, yeah, we do get tired, but you know, um, another thing that when you do start cleaning in these ways for other people, it helps you keep up with the repairs that yeah. need to be yeah. done in your sure. own home, painting, whatever, a window that's cracked. Yeah, sure. And our kids had amazing side benefits. I don't know if you want to go there yet, but that, that is. They learn geography. Well, the calls are beginning to come. Oh, tell them the one about the geography. Then we've got to. Well, yeah, sure. we had so many people, and they sign our book. It's a, it's an atlas, and we look up where they're from and have them sign it and put the date. And that's our guest book. And our kids, my second son, he won the geography bee because he knew where these places were. Yeah, it was, it was just fun. It was a side benefit, but it was a sweet one. Yeah, a little practical suggestion that we'll give to you when you start doing this is get an atlas. Um, and not just a, a 50 state atlas, but a good world atlas. And when people come from the 50 states, or they actually come from uh, from many countries, 
uh, have them circle the place they're from, and you know whether it be Afghanistan or whether it be uh, Peru or wherever it would be, sign their name, and it's a good remembrance of the people that you've had. Uh, before we get to the phones, we're dealing a lot of fun. We're dealing with the topic of God's hospitality and ours. And uh, um, just real quickly, you need to realize that this program is uh, brought to you by a group of churches uh, that are part of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, and uh, they are Harvest uh, OPC in East Haddam, Connecticut, uh, Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Hamden, Connecticut, uh, the uh, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Mount Vernon, New York. And then we have Reformation Presbyterian Church in Fresh Meadows, Queens, and then right here on Long Island, Orthodox Presbyterian congregations in Franklin Square and in Syosset and in Bohemia. And those are all places. Not that they're the only faithful churches. There's many others, but these are the ones that we encourage you to be a part of because, uh, if I could put it this way, the halfway house uh, of being with the house of the Lord in glory is to be in his church this side of heaven, and we want you in faithful local churches. There's archives of a visit to the pastor's study. I've already mentioned one. Part one of this, The Unprivate Life of the Pastor's Wife uh, with Margaret Shishko. Those of you who are uh, wives of pastors will benefit from that foray into the kinds of challenges that uh, that pastors' wives face. Uh, related to the matter of using our economic resources, because it, it is costly to do yes. hospitality, more costly not to do it, mm-hmm. uh, but your wealth in God's world. It deals with uh, our, the place of our finances. And then also getting beyond the church walls with Pastor Mike Plugman is a challenging program about the way you don't have to look very far just to minister in your own communities. And you can access those at Visit the Pastor's Study. That's all one word, visitthepastorsstudy.org. And then, of course, some of you still use the www before it. If you don't, just Google it, but visit thepastorsstudy.org or also sermonaudio.com where we have our own site, a visit to the pastor's study. You can like us on Facebook, and we always, always appreciate your questions and your comments. And we want you to know, too, that we're thankful for the services of Redeemer Broadcasting that simulcast this program on the Redeemer network of stations. Okay, hospitality, God's and ours. Let's get to the phone calls and just to remind you of the numbers. If you want to call in, 631-955-5400 and also five or the texted numbers, 516-367-0391. We have a call from Al in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. Al, welcome to a visit to the pastor's study. Uh, Thank you so much, Pastor Bill. This is such an important subject, and uh, I am really glad that you're taking it up. In fact, I wonder, as I listen to you and and, and Mrs. Shishko speak, um, whether this your show should feature this somewhat regularly, because it really is as important as you say. Glad for the affirmation, my brother Al. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so um, I would like to share some things um, about hospitality as it relates to uh, people from other cultures, uh, mainly refugees and asylum seekers who find their way to our country. And um, I do want to say that while I share, I at the same time confess that I speak further than I walk. And I do uh, view this subject as a personal growth area for me. Those who examine the Bible as a whole and give it a full hearing cannot deny 
that hospitality is one of its prominent themes. Hospitality in the church, for sure, it's God's will that we practice it. There's no question about it. Romans 12, 13, other texts. But I think most people know that the word itself contemplates the welcoming of strangers. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, and that is where many of us uh, fall short, Pastor. Mm-hmm. And I name myself among them. Who are the strangers? Surely they include the many people who are seeking refuge in safe places because they have been forcibly removed from their homes. Yes, right. Because of persecution, um, natural disasters, uh, war, or famine, other factors. We call them refugees. Uh And, And we, as believers in Jesus, need to think deeply about welcome ministry in light of the current migrant crisis. Jesus, by the way, was a refugee himself very early in life. I think you know this. Yeah, very interesting point. He also also didn't receive any hospitality when he was born. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Right, so he was escaping the rage of Herod with his family, fled to Egypt, and uh, that's a subject for another time also. But there, there is definitely some identity there that we need to meditate upon. Yes. And, and, and the refugees are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And they're here, and they are coming, and we should be ready to, uh, to welcome the nations that have come and continue to come to our doorstep. Now, now uh, Al, you're, you, you, and I appreciate your humility. You, you're, you're, these are not necessarily things you're done, but you're wrestling with these as we ought to. So what do you advise uh, listeners when it comes to reaching out to refugees? So that's, that's a good question. Um, there are a number of things that anyone can do if they have a heart to do it. Um, let, me, let me just introduce by saying that refugees are everywhere. We think of urban centers, but I, I know, just as, as an example, I know of three significant Congolese communities in South Dakota, in Iowa, and a huge concentration in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And so uh, along with uh, church members and with um, the encouragement of church leaders, that's the best way to do it, uh, start working the phones. Now, how do you mean start working the phones? Well, you, you, can, you can call, you can, you can, first you can, you can Google sites, put refugee ministry in uh, Franklin Square, uh, New York, and okay. find out who's doing it. Okay. And then you Got it. and you start call, and you start calling people and you can call government agencies, you can call uh, other religious organizations that are involved. Uh, where I live, Bethany Christian Services has, has recently begun an extensive refugee outreach program inviting church members to come and to engage from from picking people up to the airport to being a big brother or big sister from an unaccompanied alien. There are all kinds of things bringing a meal, housing a family temporarily financial support. The main thing, in my view, is, is being willing to use your life and resources to be a friend to someone who, who is in a place that isn't necessarily, doesn't feel friendly to them. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, think, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, no, one last thing. Well, when you, when, you, when you think about it, just imagine being forced out of your home, 
finding yourself in the United States, for instance, without the language, without a large network of friends, family is far away, there is no job. You may have three months, I think it's three months of uh, provisions if you're a sponsored refugee, and then nothing. I mean, just imagine the needs that are there. Of course, the greatest need is to know Christ. And that's why you are saying it is God's hospitality that we offer, and it really is. It's got to be tangible, right. but it's filled with gospel content. And, it, and we say that, I mean, in a gracious way and without hitting people over the head. We let what people know that we're, we're trying to represent the very hospitality that God gave to us. Hey, Al from Willow Grove, thanks. So we've got another call came in, but thanks so much for this. I, I just I just want to add, add one thing, and perhaps in your comment before we get to the next caller. Um, we've got to be careful how we regard the the political issue regarding immigrants and refugees and realize that that's different than what we deal with as Christians. There are serious issues about border control and, and vetting refugees. We're not taking any of that away. That's very much in the civil sphere. In our sphere as a church, and Al, correct me if I, or, or, or just maybe clarify, uh, we the, the Bible talks about receiving the strangers and the foreigners and the aliens and ministering to them. And that's basically what you're saying to us, right? Yeah, I guess that's it. Okay. Yeah, M- Margaret, before we get to the next caller. Yeah. That's a whole different phase of hospitality than what I'm thinking of and what we were talking yeah. about. I mean, that is a massive undertaking, and you have to give it a lot of thought because it's a never-ending form of hospitality. Which is one of the reasons why I think Al's suggestion about about tapping into groups that are doing it. Excellent. And, and seeing I, I, one of my... How do they do it? How do they... And yes, that's true. And, and what is it? what is involved? In right. It? How long is this commitment? Because you don't want to help somebody and then say so long you yeah, know sure. i don't like that i mean i w- yeah that can undo what, what you've, really you've tried, tried to, to do, do. exactly Correct. yeah yeah I, I think it's one of the things that we've we've said before it's one of the riddles of the christian faith is jesus tells us to count the cost and yet that's what really, i'm thinking we really don't know the cost to count until you get involved in it but but the way to deal with that is as best as we can know know what the cost is. But but that's a great point, brothers and sisters and friends. If you're going to do work with refugees, then don't just jump into it. Find out what is involved and and uh, pray about this and ask yourself if this is something you really want to commit to. We had a situation similar to this. It wasn't actual refugee, but it was a a medical a, a need of a child that was born deaf. And Bill came home from the mission field and said, can we help here? And I said, I think so. Let's try it. And that was an ongoing situation. That we kept contact with this family over 15, 20 years, something, maybe not that long. Yeah, good. Intermittently, they would come and, and live in our home to get the medical help. Yeah, now when we say intermittently, we need to be clear. That was over four summers. It, right, four summers and then... Um, then during one year of high school, the young man stayed by without, you know, himself. He was old enough at that point to not get depressed, not miss his family, and to get the help. And um, it was, they asked us to do it from the foreign missions. I had gotten a letter, and he said, would you be willing to help with this? And I said, 
well, let's, let me talk to Bill and see. And uh, we thought we could do it. And God helped us. I don't think, I, I don't know what it would look like to now go into trying to help refugees in a larger scale, but I definitely do think that's a biblical principle to to take care of. And it was a powerful uh, testimony. This young man for for a year, yes, uh, for his last year of high school, was with us, and we regarded him as a son. And uh, whether he had come to faith in Christ before that or not, we don't know. But clearly, uh, there was a faith in Christ that he that he demonstrated. And, yes. and, and that was the reason we did it. But but we but in the course of it, they were surrounded by that in, in the house. And Margaret also made another point. I'd urge you to do these things in concert with your local church or if you have a governing body beyond the local church as we do. We have a foreign missions committee. Uh, try to work in tandem with them as much as possible. We have a call from Mastic Beach. Tyler from Master Mastic Beach. Welcome to a visit to the pastor's study. Hi, how are you? Doing well, Tyler. What's on your mind? Good. Uh, actually, I actually have a quick question. Uh, it's interesting you guys are talking uh about immig- uh, you know, be, uh, immigrants and also with hospitality. Uh, my question is in, in regards more to hospitality. Um, would you guys think that one of the better uh, examples in Scripture uh, for hospitality would be when Jesus uh, calls Levi from um, you know being a tax collector to being a disciple, and he has him in his house, and uh, you see the Pharisees who come in and uh, try to you know, start stuff with Jesus, but, you know, and he says, you know, the physician, you know, is the one who uh, comes for the sick and right, for yeah. sinners. Would that be a good example? Yeah, well, yes, absolutely. You're, you, know, you want your pastor. Yeah, the answer, Tyler, is absolutely. But what, but really, you just kind of touched the, the tip of a huge iceberg, uh, because it, it, when you read the Gospels, from the perspective of hospitality, wow, it opens up. The point that Al from Willow Grove made, our Lord was uh, had to flee. He was a refugee, and before that, there was no room for him in the inn. Uh, our Lord, God the Father, is hospitable to the Son when he goes through the time of temptation in the wilderness, and, and he feeds him after that ordeal. Uh, Jesus is, is criticized for eating with, with the tax collectors and sinners, uh, and of course, the the parable of of the Good Samaritan, Tyler, is uh, pr- probably the most fulsome statement of what the neighbor is and, and isn't, and the way that convicted the legalist in this matter. So yeah, that's a great point, Tyler. It, it, and uh, the thing is, I just urge everyone to to read uh, even fully, more fully. Margaret, did you want to add anything to that, though? Well, I've learned it is a a, a reverse hospitality when you go to other people's home and you learn their customs and you are enjoy their foods uh, we've had the privilege of being in a home from india india sri lanka um oh my, so asian homes where i've just learned what real authentic korean food is oh it's just delicious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, those things are Okay, they are strange to us in the beginning, and even our little son once asked me, he said, well, what's food going to be like in heaven? <laughs> and here, Bill and I are so longing for this um, Korean Chop-che. feast. Chapche. Chapche, yes. <laughs> and he said, well, 
I said, well, it'll be heavenly food. I didn't know quite what to answer him. I thought, Lord, help me. And uh, he said, well, I hope it's not that Korean stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, well, I'm hoping it is. But, you know, that that was so cute because it was new to him. And it was now he loves that stuff. So, you know, it was a broadening experience. I want you, Margaret, to give us some practical advice as our minutes uh, ebb away here. But, uh, yeah, being a guest, as I mentioned in the monologue, is important. When Paul says to eat what's set before you and becoming all things to all people, that by all means you might save some, we need to... Uh, ask questions, enter into the lives of other people, not be afraid of it. I think that's why we, you don't think that somehow you're going to be defiled by eating with non-Christians. But, I mean, that that would warrant just a whole other program as being a guest. Maybe I'm recruiting my wife for another program. But uh, practic- Mrs. Pastor Bill, yeah. <laughs> practical advice about hospitality from your years of experience. Okay, the first thing I would always say is that you've got a plan. You always have you plan your menu, you plan the day you're going to clean, you plan when you're going to cook, and then you step back and enjoy the people. Uh, and husbands and wives need to plan this together, together well in advance. I, I really could not do it without Bill. He comes from a family of cooks. I love to cook, but I have more confidence in his cooking. It's got more of a flair. And so, you know, he he's very good at that, and I have to say... Letting go of that was a little bit of a challenge, a little bit threatening, you know, because that was kind of my turf. But now I so enjoy it. I've come to the point where I'll say, if you want to cook, I'll clean up for you. <laughs> so that's... Uh, Plus it gives us time together, which it is does. great. Yeah. And so I, I can let go of that and enjoy. And even when people bring their foods, you put them out on the table. It is a feast time. And be careful to eat them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Okay. All right, planning. Other things? One of the things we learned, that it was the, the night I was ordained, uh, is uh, the, the pastor said, I don't think he had particularly this in mind, but it fit. He said, take take whatever people give you. Now, in New York, that could be uh, all some, kinds of things. Some grief, huh? <laughs> yeah, all right. But, but he meant clothes and food and that because... Well, you know, you that's I've had people give me so many bags of clothes, even, you know, box food. and um, But the clothes... I, I go through them, I take what we can use, and the rest I give back to someone else or to the veterans or to Big Brother, Savers. There's plenty of avenues to give clothing away. And um, I've saved it for sometimes when our friends from Uganda come over, they, they're very glad to take, um, you know, clothing and take it back. I do try to always... Cl- wash wash it well hang it up so that it you know i'm not giving them our junk i'm giving them something of value and we'd find out what people needed of course here we were always helped by the diaconate of the the church that i served as a pastor exactly they did help us because especially when you have someone staying who in their country is an important person you want to show them the proper respect in you know for the meals you prepare and so forth and it can get expensive. I don't mind giving my receipts. You know, and we and, always did it with their understanding. Understanding. And, 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 and right. we could say this was the ministry of Christ through his church. Exactly. Which is what we wanted to say and communicate. We've had people recently from um, Ethiopia, and they're, they gave up their home here to move there. And they're dealing with... A, Unreached people. Unreached people. I want to have a part in that. And Christ yeah. says, if you give a 
of cold water in my name, then it's as if you are ministering along with them. And I think what a cup of cold water means in our society is a meal and a place to lay their head, you know, when it's needed. Right, exactly. And and, uh, just to lighten people, brothers and sisters and friends, just enjoy people of different cultures. Don't be afraid. It's a beautiful way of seeing reflections of God's work in the world. And also see all of your dealings with people as, as means for the, as, as ways as ways by which the kingdom of God is furthered just a little bit. I've learned so much from the people that have come through those houses. Thank you, Mrs. Pastor Bill. Hey, a couple of books that might be helpful to you. One an older one, one uh, one, uh, one just recently issued. Uh, the the book Labri, L apostrophe A B R I by Edith Schaefer, talking about the ministry of the great. Uh, hospitable evangelist Francis Schaeffer and his wife back in the in the latter part of the 20th century. Labrie is a very inspiring and illustrative account. And then also recently issued Rosaria Butterfield's book, The Gospel. I love this. The Gospel Comes with a House Key. <laughs> and so, so those are a couple of books on a more popular level that you can read about hospitality. We come to the end of another visit to the pastor's study. Hey, my thanks to Mrs. Pastor Bill for uh, Unprivate Life of the Pastor's Wife, Part 2. If you want to know what Part one is you can go to the the archives for that. We always appreciate your feedback or your questions. You can email me personally at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. That's all one word, visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Remember that tomorrow is the Lord's Day. And be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that is faithful to the Word of God. And the Lord Jesus is building his church. He's building a home for his bride and is hospitable to his bride. And he shows that in his church. We want you to be part of that on the local level. And remember, too, that everyone, everyone, everyone needs a pastor. Let's pray together. Father, we praise you for your hospitality to us that you give us a place in your house forever and ever through the Lord Jesus Christ, the door and our elder brother. Now give us hearts that will reflect your hospitality to our family members, to our neighbors, to our friends, and to all around us, to the glory of your wonderful name. Amen. You've been listening to A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York. Our website is www.reformationmetrony.org. Again, that's www.reformationmetrony.org. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week at 12 noon for another edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.